This morning, I share this story with great fear and trembling. And the reason why I say that is because there's still a chance that after this service, I will still get a whooping from my parents. But I'm gonna share it anyways. They'll probably remember it fondly. I know they will. Um, but I was 15. There's some key words I want you, want you to uh, catch up on. I was 15. So we're gonna say 15, right? I was 15 and my parents were gonna go out of town to Birmingham uh, and have a date night or something like that. And I'd asked my parents, I said, uh, can, can I go to the movies with my friend? And they said, of course, you know, just be home by 10. I said, no problem, got it. I'll be home by 10. Well, they left to Birmingham and I uh, waited for my friend. He got there and he, he let me know that his truck didn't have enough gas to go to the mall. So I said, no worries, we'll take my truck. 15, remember, 15. Now, when I say my truck, that's another, another clarification. When I say my truck, I really meant my dad's old work truck. <laughs> now, it was a, a Burgundy S10. I don't know if uh, y'all know or... Um, I've seen those trucks a lot, but uh, it was, I love the truck. Now, granted, I did a lot of damage to that truck at the age of 15. And so there's a few things that you need to know about this truck, all right? First off, the passenger door would get jammed a lot. And so for, if somebody was riding with me, they would have to crawl in from the driver's side to the passenger side, all right? And the other thing was if you hit a bump or if you were going down the road, all of a sudden you would be leaning back. The seat didn't catch sometimes. And so, I mean, like you'd be laying down before you knew it. So me and my buddy, we took this, we took my, my dad's work truck, of course, 15. <laughs> I want to say that I asked permission for, uh, to borrow the truck or to use the truck. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think I did. I'm going to say I did for, for, uh, for, you know, safety purposes. Anyways, uh, so we took it to the mall. We went in, we watched the movie, came out. <laughs> it was gone. Gone. <laughs> All right. So I know exactly where I parked to this day. I parked on the arcade side of the Quintard Mall underneath a light post. Underneath a light post. Really close to the entrance, by the way. Just want y'all to know, clarify that. Really close to the entrance. I came out and it was gone. <laughs> I was in a panic uh, because I've got to find my truck. I've got to find it. Some, maybe somebody has moved it. Maybe somebody's playing a mean joke on me. So I looked everywhere for it. I even got in the back of the security van and the security guys were helping me trying to find this truck. Couldn't find it. Well, I, I had delayed long enough and I had to make a phone call <laughs> to my father. Uh, I, I'll never forget that call. I said, um, Dad, uh, I love you. I'm okay, uh, but my truck is stolen. <laughs> what do you mean stolen? Well, I shared with him the same story I just shared with y'all. And that night will forever go as the night of I thought I was surely going to die. Uh, they were in Birmingham, by the way, still in Birmingham. Had to, I mean, they were probably having a, a wonderful date night, getting away from all my crazy shenanigans that I was uh, causing them. So, uh, but yeah, they had to come home from Birmingham and take care of that. So thank you, mom and dad, for not killing me. Well, today we're going to talk about a different type of death. Today we're going to talk about spiritual death, a death that for Christians, we all once walked. 
and for the unsaved are currently walking in. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2, and we will read the first three verses. When you get there, if you would, please stand in the reverence reading of God's Word. Verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the powers of the air, the spirit is now, sorry, the spirit that is now at work in, you, in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived and the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Thank you. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. I know what you're thinking. Wow, did I ever pick a great Sunday to come to church, right? Well, today is a challenging day. Today is about absolute depravity, absolute fornication, absolute debauchery, and absolute sin. And it's today, it's, the, it's days like today that I think to myself, man, I love my job. I absolutely love my job. It's, it's gonna be a tough day. Just, just gonna put that out there. So your temptation may be to check out or to say, I don't wanna talk about this. But would you be courageous enough though? You can end the next 25 minutes totally disagreeing with me and I'm, I'm fine with that. But at least for a moment, can you turn yourself around and look into yourself and say, these things may be true about me. Paul begins at the very bottom of Death Valley and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Verse one, this is an absolute statement. He doesn't mean that you were merely in danger of death, but that you were in the state of real and present death. See, death is not a figure of speech here. Paul means that you were absolutely dead. Moreover, though Paul speaks to the Gentiles in verse, verse one, he speaks to his fellow Jews in verse three, this state of spiritual death is universal. The bottom line here is when Paul says dead, he means it to have uni universal and absolute application, no, ex uh, no exceptions. Let me explain why I come to this conclusion. Let's pick apart these words for a moment. Let's start with the word sin. And uh, this, in the original Greek, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it. I'm not uh, that intelligent enough yet. Yet. It's a shooting word and it literally means uh, to miss. In my parents' backyard, we have this hill that we shoot into. And, and every time we uh, have a family get together or something along the lines, we always go out there and we always, we always target practice. We always want to show off our new guns. We always want to show off our, our targeting skills. I've got no uh, skills compared to Michael Story uh, or any of that. I don't know if y'all know who, who that is, but man, he, sharp shooter, buddy, sharp shooter. I, I'm, I'm nowhere near that, right? So we, we just got done. We got, uh, we're cleaning our guns, putting our guns away. And all of a sudden we hear a gun go off and dirt fly up around us. And what had happened was one of my family, family members were just putting his gun in his holster and it went off. And it came really close to actually hitting my dad that day. And so when we heard that gun and that dirt fly, we, we started, it was a panic. Started feeling our body, make sure there's no extra holes, make sure there's no blood. And there wasn't, thank goodness, right? 
And there wasn't really that, it wasn't really that big of a deal. There was nobody, there was no consequences. Uh, we didn't have to go to the hospital. And the most of the time, whenever you, you shoot something like that and you miss the mark, there's, there's not really any consequences, right? Nothing really happens. And, and that's how we think about sin pretty often, isn't it? There are no consequences. We just missed the mark a little. Church, there are huge consequences to missing the mark. And I'm not talking about a petty God who, if you look at porn, your, your car is going to break down on the way to work. That's, that's not a consequence. I'm not talking about a vengeful God who, if you live a sinful life, you're going to get cancer. That's not a consequence. If, if you have cancer, it's not because you live a sinful life. See, there's an arrow and there's a target. And the target is God and the arrow is your one and only life. And when you take your one and only life and you shoot it the opposite direction of God, see God's over here with all of his goodness, all of his mercy and all of his forgiveness and you shoot your life this way, away from all of God. You shoot your life away from, from, from God like I have, like all of humanity has. You have shot into whatever the opposite of forgiveness is. You have shot into the opposite of whatever life is, whatever the opposite of love is. See, that's the consequence of sin. And it's not that you have missed and, and there's no effect. Everything is lost, everything is gone. That is sin. You may say this morning that you are a good person. We all think we are, right? That you don't deserve hell. I would like to read uh, something from, uh, from William Barclay, a quote from him. And just, just listen and let this sink in for a second. We would all agree that thieves, murderers, and drunkards, and thugs are sinners. But since most of us are respectable citizens, in our heart of hearts, we think that sin doesn't have very much to do with us. We would probably rather resent being called hell-deserving sinners, but sin is the failure to be what we ought to be and could be. This was tough for me even to read. Is a man a good, as good a husband as he might be? Does he try to make life easier for his wife? Does he inflict his moods and temperaments on his family? I have this week. My wife's back there, she'll attest to that. Is a woman as good as a wife as she might be? Does she really take an interest in her husband's work and try to understand the problems and the worries of a man on whose work the home depends? Are we as good a parents as we might have been? Have we really disciplined and trained our children as we ought? Or have we often avoided the issues? As our children grew older, have we become nearer and nearer to them or have they drifted away until conversation is often difficult. And we and they are strangers. Are we as good as sons and daughters as we might have been? Have we ever even tried to say thank you for or to repay what has been done for us? Have we ever seen the hurt look in our parents' eyes and know that we put it there? And is every working hour filled with our hardest and our most thorough work? 
And is every task done as well as we could possibly do it? When we realize what sin is, we come to see that sin is nothing, is not something than which theologians have invented. It is something with which life is soaked and saturated with. Sin is the failure in any sphere of life to do what we ought to be and could be. See, I read that and I think about all the things that I've done just this week. And I also read that and I think about all the things that I've done in my past. I'm a hell-deserving sinner. The next word I want to focus on is trespasses. And it's a climbing word and it means to fall. This word, trespass, means that you were climbing and then you had slipped, you were falling, and the only conclusion is you're going to hit the bottom. Trespass doesn't mean that there's this line that Jesus has drawn in the sand and you have uh, stepped over it and you must quickly step back over it. That's legalism. Legalism doesn't please God. Let me, let me get that clear right now. Legalism does not please God. That's not, that's not trespass. Trespass doesn't mean that God has drawn a circle around your life and you must stay in this circle. And if you ever step back out of it, you must step back in it. That's not, that's not trespass. What trespass really means is you have slipped and you have fallen and you have crashed down to your death. But John, we're not dead. We're not dead. What are you talking about when you say dead? I'm glad you asked. I'm talking about spiritual death. What is spiritual death like? When you're spiritually dead, like when you're physically dead, there's no awareness to your surroundings. A physically dead person doesn't respond to stimuli, doesn't respond to heat, cold, light, darkness, pleasure, passion, love. None of that matters because there's just, there's, there's no more awareness. And so if you are spiritually dead, you have no awareness to spiritual things. How can this be, some wonder? When so many around us are so much very, very much alive, their bodies are viral and robust. And they, have, they have quick and active intellect. And they have such a great personality, right? The answer is this. In the, in the area that matters the most, the soul, they have no life. They are blind to the reality, demands, and glory of Christ, and they do not love him. They are as deaf to the Holy Spirit as a corpse. They don't open the Bible and see that this is God's plan for their life. They don't look at God and say, he is my creator. They don't look at the will of God and think this is good, this is right for me. Because your mind has flatlined spiritually. You're not thinking theological thoughts of the goodness of God at all. So there's this death to the heart and then death to the mind. And then finally, there is a lasting nature of death. You can't come back from it, church. Can't come back from it. You never see someone die and then two days later live again, right? We've never seen that with our own eyes. If somebody has, please see me after service. You know, I've been to enough funerals to realize the real nature that death causes us. 
The pain is really intense at first, but the intensity in the first days isn't the real thing that is difficult about death, right? It's not that you have to do life alone or you're not sure how you're gonna get through life by yourself. That's, that's hard, that's, that's difficult, but it's not the most difficult thing about death. The most intense thing about death is its finality. You realize that you're never, you realize that you're never gonna see that person again. You realize that you're never going to see their face again. You realize that you're never going to laugh with them again to cry with them again. You're never gonna spend another Christmas or an Easter meal with them ever again. That day is gone. There's this murderous finality to death. Church and sin causes spiritual death. And it shuts down your heart it flatlines your mind and it's final for the rest of time. So that brings us to this last little section. I ask you to be brave for a moment. Don't check out. This is the important part. Next week we get to see his mercy and his grace and the richness of his love. But to realize that you need that love, to realize that you need that mercy, You have to see the darkness and the controversy that is you and I. So just one more time, have the ability to turn around and look into yourself and see just how broken you and I are. So look with me in Ephesians 2, verse 3. I'm going to read it again. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, so we're in the season of spin. You can spin anything. There's no such thing, no such thing as a lie anymore. There's no such thing as a mistake anymore. Just spin it, right? Let me explain. That is the greasiest food I've ever eaten. I think I just ate a heart attack on a bun. Or we can spin that and say, that is the greasiest food I've ever eaten. That should be, that should be on diners, drive-ins, and dives, right? It's not bad anymore once it puts on that show. And that's what we're accustomed to doing, right? We spin our brokenness and we make it not that big of a deal. Now, I just want to ask you for a moment, not spit, don't, don't spin this, Okay. Falling 100 feet is certain death. Missing the mark of God with your whole life has huge, massive consequences for us. So would you have the courage to look at the consequences of your life that is happening, on, happening right now? If you're not, listen to this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this morning you are spiritually dead. And if you end life spiritually dead, you enter into eternity without God. You enter into darkness, death, and self-hatred. But the very fact that you're here today, the very fact that you're hearing these words is proof that the Spirit of God is working in your life. Right. 
bringing you into a place, preparing you that you can hear in your heart and confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus really gave his life for you. That he was crucified and buried in a borrowed tomb and raised on the third day, making a way for everyone to come to Christ that would take up their cross and live for him. This morning, church, if you're a follower of Christ, we need to know this, that the effects of spiritual death are still hard to overcome. Right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, your soul is already holy, as we will see next week in Ephesians 2, verse 6. You are already in the heavens with Jesus spiritually, but the flesh and blood is still tempted with the passions and the desires of this life. So if we, give, if we gave ourselves over to the passions and the desires of this life, we would be going back to spiritual death this morning, church. And we are allowing the effects of spiritual death to continue to work in our lives. We're in this place where things of this world tempt us so much that if we don't allow Jesus to make us into his likeness, if we don't give into the work of the spirit, we are going back to spiritual death and we are letting those things claim us even though Jesus has given us power over them. Honestly, sometimes, <laughs> honestly, sometimes I would love to give myself over to the passions and desires of my heart. I'm gonna give you the G-rated version, the passions and desires of my heart today. If I could do these three things to the day I die, I'll give them to you. If I could eat or do these three things for the rest of my life, one of them would be eat cheeseburgers. Not just any cheeseburgers, not just any cheeseburgers, my dad's cheeseburgers. And it, by the way, it bothers me. It bothers me that I can't make a burger like my dad. I have watched him. I have seen everything he's done, all the ingredients he's put into burgers and I can't do it. And it bothers me, all right? But I would eat those cheeseburgers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. In between the cheeseburgers that I would eat, I would have ice cream. Not just any ice cream, bluebell ice cream. The rest of that stuff is garbage, all right? So, and the third thing I would do is I'd watch Netflix all day. That is the, that is, a, I know that sounds crazy, but y'all, I just, I love Netflix, right? But that would be the desires of my body, of my heart. I'd probably own a, a like TV too. That'd be awesome. Like my 600 pound life. <laughs> it would just be me eating cheeseburgers and ice cream and watching Netflix. But I'd be on TV though. I'd be on TV. Hey mom. Or maybe I would give myself over to whatever my heart desires from fleshly desires to whatever I thought was right in my own eyes. Mm. Do you know what would happen? I would die. Pretty early, and it wouldn't be from a heart attack, it wouldn't be from uh, some kind of disease, my wife would just kill me. Uh, and I feel like that might have been the right thing to do. Holly, you have permission to uh, take me out, if that ever happens. Do you know why those are the desires of my heart and the passions of my body? It would be because I'd given myself over to the gods that aren't good. And I'd given myself over to the passions that won't last. And I made Jesus less and other things great. And when you make, when you make other things greater than Jesus, 
you are giving yourself back over to spiritual death. It looks good and there are good things to those things, right? But ultimately those things can't do what Jesus is creating us to do or to be. This morning, are you living, are you living in spiritual death? This is not something where you're 15 and your truck got stolen, you're gonna get, parent, you're, you're gonna get in trouble with your parents. That's not what I'm talking about. This is death, an eternal separation from God and all that he is. So I ask you this morning, are you spiritually dead? And is Christ calling you this morning to come and live for him? If you have realized that if something greater than yourself doesn't come in, doesn't save you, doesn't change you, that you will live spiritually dead for the rest of your life. The biblical doctrine of depravity demands an acceptance of man's absolute spiritual death. Everyone, church, everyone without Christ is dead. Let me, let me say this real quick and we'll be done. As I was studying this passage uh, for several weeks, actually, I had found myself in a, a, a low depression, I would say. I spoke with elders about it. And the reason why I did that, the reason why I felt like maybe that, that I was caused some sort of depression is I had to, as I read this text, I had to go back and I had to relive all the things that I have done, all the things that I have said, all the things that I have thought. <laughs> and it made me appreciate, it made me realize just how broken I was. And this morning, church, this passage should bring us all to that point. If we are Christians, we should go back and we should read this passage and we should think, wow, what has, God has saved me from this life when I am so undeserving of it. When I sin and I mess up every day. I have done a lot wrong. But God loved me enough to send his son to die on a cross to live and to die for us to be raised again for a sinner like me and if you're not saved this morning I invite you to look at your brokenness. And I invite you, if Jesus is calling you this morning to choose life, choose life. Let's pray.